Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Blues Beat Writer for NHL.com, Lou Korak. Lou, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I, I wish we were watching a better Blues team at this point, but under new head coach Drew Bannister, it's two and two, so say what you will about it, right? Well, I mean, yeah, they've they've gotten off to a good start under him. And that's usually, you know, you win three out of your first four games under a new coach. That's, that's typical. I mean, you, you saw it in Edmonton, you saw it, uh, who else did we, well, Ottawa, not so, not so much yet. I mean, they've only played the two games. Minnesota has played really well since they made their coaching change. So it's, it's, it's nothing new. Um, I tend to call it the honeymoon phase and that's a lot of times what it is. And players usually respond because they know they have a new voice in the room. And it's one of those where now you know that upper management, uh, there's no place else to look coaching wise after they've already done made the move. Because if nothing starts to improve, the next people they're going to look at is you, the players in the locker room. And uh, they don't want that to happen. So they understand that they have to start playing better. And the Blues certainly needed to play better, uh, which right now they're still what? They're one game over 500, but they pretty much are who they are all this year. I mean, you're 16, 15, and one. So really, in essence, you've played 32 games. You've won half of them. So uh, it's yet to be seen, but so far it's been a good start under Drew Bannister. Good start under Drew Bannister. Bad ending for Craig Berube. Uh, Craig Berube being fired by the St. Louis Blues, I found that kind of shocking. But did did you find it shocking that something did happen at the time it did, or were you expecting something to happen? Yes and no. I kind of was expecting something to happen at the time just because the buildup to it, all the signs just pointed there. I mean, I was um, – I remember that last trip that went through Columbus and Chicago and I was there and you can, boy, the, the tension in the room after that loss in Chicago was just so evident. And I've known Craig Berube since he's been here. I've covered them, you know, every game since he stepped foot into St. Louis and gotten the job after Mike Yo was fired. And I remember that night, quite well too. I mean, it, it happened under cer similar circumstances where it was after a home loss, you're sitting upstairs in the press box and you're writing uh, the stuff that happened from the game that night. And you pretty much have to scrap it because you have to pivot and write about somebody getting fired. So um, you just kind of had that feeling because it was another game in which you had just got done playing and Doug Armstrong even mentioned it uh, the following day when we talked to him that uh, you played three games against teams. Two of them were below you in the standings. Um, three of them were missing per well, Detroit was missing personnel, key personnel just because of injuries. You lose that game, you lose to Columbus, you lose to Chicago, not just lose, but lose by multiple goals and teams that are below you in the standings and, stuff had already kind of been building up and uh, you just had a funny feeling that something was happening. You still in the back of your mind think, does the man, did the man deserve it? I say no. And a lot of people share my opinion, but again, that's just an opinion. 
that's not stating some kind of a fact here. I mean, when you fire somebody, it's basically based off of uh, what you feel and not something that is, you know, factually correct. But you just had a feeling something was there. And sure enough, uh, the axe dropped about, what, half hour, 45 minutes to an hour after that game ended. And uh, there we go. You know, you, you, you pivot to a different direction uh, right now. It's Drew Bannister's job. Uh, he's got it on an interim basis, and it's not guaranteed to be his, but right now he's got the opportunity to have that job for himself, basically auditioning himself right now. But uh, let it be known that Doug Armstrong is uh, actively searching, along with Drew Bannister, for somebody that uh, he is going to feel uh, should be the next head coach of the St. Louis Blues, the permanent head coach of the St. Louis Blues. You talk about uh, with uh, you talk about the things that happened with the Berube firing. Another thing that did happen was uh, Jordan Cairo making some, and I, I hate to word it this way, but inauspicious comments, especially the timing it happened. Uh, basically, saying he's not my coach anymore, so no comment. Um, did you understand the fans' reaction to that? I did, just because of. Do you like it? No, but I understood it just from the basis of what was put out there. And my buddy Jeremy Rutherford's the one that talked to him. I wasn't there for it. Uh, I wish I was because, uh, trust me, I would have asked him the same thing. I mean, you know, we all know that the relationship between he and Craig Berube wasn't, um, how should I put it? Well, let's just say they weren't buddy buddy. Okay. They weren't, uh, they weren't a coach and a player that had that relationship where, you know, they're in constant communication or uh, maybe that they saw eye to eye on just the tactical part of the game and how, how you wanted the game played. I mean, Ber Craig Berube, he's, a, he's an old, older school kind of a coach. We know that. Uh, but he's a coach that uh, obviously produced winning results and got winning results. So, uh, he's he's going to be revered, applauded, appreciated in this city for eternity. I mean, if there's a if there was ever a Mount Rushmore of St. Louis professional coaches, Craig Berube is on it, hands down. No matter what, uh, you're going to put him on there with uh, Dick Vermeil that coached the Rams to their first Super Bowl. You're going to put him on there with. Uh, I would probably go with the Whitey Herzog back in the day of co of uh, managing the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe even Antonio Larusa. He's there, um, and the way I saw that is, I understood how the fans reacted because it literally just happened two days after Craig Berube gets fired, and you open up your social media, and all of a sudden you see a comment that says, I don't have a comment about the other guy. He's not my coach anymore. And if I see that for the first time, the way I'm going to see that is he's not my coach anymore. Um, without seeing maybe more context to it, I'm going to think, oh, well, he just doesn't care. That, that, that just fuels the fire, if you want to say. So the way I will put Blues fans is, is they will hold you accountable I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the owner. I don't care if you're 
the president of hockey operations, the GM, the superstar player on the team. It doesn't matter. You, if, if they feel you're going after somebody that they have a great appreciation for, they're going to let you know about it. And for that night, uh, it was, we're going to teach you a lesson. Don't do those kinds of things. And what I will say, and I, I hope he learned his lesson. What I will say about Jordan Cairo is, is I hope he learned his lesson. It's something he probably, if he thought about it more again, he wouldn't have put it that way. The best way for him to say something is he probably would have been better off just to say, okay, you know, maybe we didn't see eye to eye on certain things, but he did a lot of great things while he was the head coach here. And I wish him nothing best, nothing but the best in the future. End of discussion. It ends right there. Nobody makes a big deal about it anymore. But when, when the first thing you see is he's not my coach anymore, I don't care, you know, or I or no comment, he's not my coach anymore. That's just a, I don't that comes across as a I don't care moment. And the blues fans weren't gonna have it at that point, and they were gonna let him know it. It was quite funny actually being at that game and hearing all the boos. I, I, I didn't think it would go to that quite yet. You know, they I, booed, I hey, they booed Doug Armstrong, okay? You got booed <laughs> that night. So like I'm telling you, though. So I, I will say that. They they were uh, that's what I mean when I say they're gonna hold you accountable no matter who you are. And when they showed Doug Armstrong on the Jumbotron, uh from his comments from the press conference the day before. They certainly let him know about it. And you under the boos were a lot louder for Doug Armstrong than they were for Jordan Cairo. Although there, there was a part of me that did feel bad for him because Jordan Cairo heard him throughout the game all night long every time he touched a puck. That was pretty, that was pretty extreme. Uh, and again, like I said, that was Blues fans' way of letting you know we're holding you accountable for what we felt like was an inappropriate comment at the time. Another reason he should be held accountable is his and everybody else's performance on the power play. I mean, this power play, I, this has to be one of the worst power plays in any NHL history. It has to be at this point. It, it we're like you said, 30, 32, uh, 32 games in, and their power play is at or near the bottom of the league. Um, I've I've heard from other people it's stagnant. What are you seeing from up above? Well, to me, um, when I compare them to other power plays, I watch other power plays. They seem to be more direct. They seem to move pucks quicker. Um, I just find it that they run they run this one three one, and at times they'll. They'll implement the two defensemen and and uh, play play a one two two, which is very which is very rare. They'll they'll take that other defenseman and usually it's Justin Falk and they'll slide him down in, on in that off on that off wing circle for for you know the the purpose of maybe having a one timer there. But um, yeah, it, it just seems too stagnant at times to me. They tried they're just not direct enough and not enough of a shooter's mentality for me. Uh, and I watch, like I said, I watch other power plays. You watch Edmonton. Um, they're getting pucks to the net. They almost seem to, whoever they run out there, they almost seem to know where the where the puck is going to go before they even get it. 
The Blues used to do that. But then again, your personnel's different. Um, you used to have Ryan O'Reilly on it. You had Tarasenko on it. Um, you used to have Jaden Schwartz going back in the day, too, uh, not, not too long ago, uh, who used to be a good bumper and a net front guy on it. Um, Alex Petrangelo ran it well. A uh, guy from the point who, when he got it, he's getting pucks to the net because he knows he's got he's got forwards that are driving the net, moving there just to get those loose pucks. And I just I just think a lot of times the Blues are trying to make two cute plays out there, and not having that shooter's mentality, and they become predictable at that time. And the penalty kill then understands that they could be aggressive, pressure these guys, go after them and force them to either turn the puck over or be able to retrieve the puck and just shoot it right back down the ice. And it makes it difficult for um, – it shouldn't be difficult, but then the Blues wind up having just a, a tough time gaining the zone again. And by the time you do, you're killing another 30 seconds, 35, 40, 45 seconds, whatever it may be, and then you just don't have enough time to work with it. So if they would just be more direct with the puck – and have more of a shooter's mentality, I think the numbers will improve. It's gotten a little better in the last couple of games, I will say. Uh, last night, they only had one opportunity and didn't score on it, uh, but had three shots. So too many times I would look down and go, okay, you're 0 for 1, no shots. 0 for 1, one shot. That's just not going to do it. And until that improves, and until perhaps maybe you – move your personnel around a little bit. And they've, and they've tried that here recently. They've put different guys in different positions. Uh, you're going to be at or near the bottom of it and it's not going to improve much. It's, it's, it's really sad to watch. And, and one thing I don't like, and tell me if you like this or not from a power play standpoint, I don't like when the forward comes up and, or the defenseman comes up, passes back to the forward. I just don't like the, back pass on the power play. I don't know about you, but that just doesn't seem like a winning winning combination to me. Well, if you look at, if you ever look at my uh, X account now, you know, we're getting used to calling it X. Uh, <laughs> during games, uh, if you ever look, I, I've posted a number of times. I've, I've never been a fan of it. I don't understand it, but welcome to the new wave of the NHL. It's I never used to see that back in the old day. It's whenever you go back and you retrieve a puck, whoever it is, he's skating up with it. All four our, all five guys are going to the zone together. And whoever has the whoever has the puck first after a retrieval either lays it off or takes it through through the blue line himself and they gain entry that way. Instead of that, drop it back. I've seen it happen too many times where teams are realizing it's happening. They're, they've got a they've got a high forward. They're waiting. It gets intercepted. It gets turned into a breakaway. It doesn't happen all the time because I think teams just practice it so often now. They've kind of got it down pat of where it's going. But I agree. I just I've always thought it's a waste of time. I never understood it, but. Again, welcome to today's new wave of the NHL. Everybody seems to do it, so you just go with the flow. Yeah, you seem to go with the flow. And we, we talk about uh, 
the defense passing back to the forwards. The defense last year was terrible. The defense this year is okay. I mean, I guess I guess they can call it an improvement. What what have you seen this year differently from the defense as opposed to last year? Well, you brought in a new a new coach to work with those guys in Mike Weber, and he's got them. <clears throat> excuse me. He's got them playing tighter. Uh, they're they're trying at least at the start of the year. Uh, it's gotten loose there at times, especially towards the end of Craig Berube's tenure here, um, where they make they make a focus on protecting the ice from the dots on end. So the shot volume may be there, and we've seen games where they allow. 30, 35, 40 shots in a game, and somebody will look at the stat sheet and go, oh God, they're they're getting they're getting bamboozled or bombarded in their own zone. Well, no, that's not the case because a lot of the shots that they're giving up, and the goalies appreciate that much more is from the dots on out. Because typically they'll see those and those shouldn't be a problem. And if a goaltender allows a shot in from the dots on out, um, especially if there's no traffic, well then shame on them. That's on them. So they've they've tried to do a much better job, and they did it last night. They did it. Now Tampa wasn't a good game. They gave up way too much in their own kitchen, the way I like to term it. Uh, too much zone, too much real estate that they gave up to Tampa between the dots and from the slots to the crease. A lot of their goals were scored in tight, and Whenever they would shoot from out wide, which Nikita Kucherov did twice, scored both of his goals that way. Tampa made it a point to get bodies to the net, and the Blues just didn't do a good enough job of boxing these guys out or getting sticks in lanes and blocking shots. Uh, That game was an exception to the norm, but they've done a much better job of just eliminating all that traffic and making making a concerted effort to getting sticks and lanes, trying to block shots and keep that traffic out of the goalie's grill because there were just simply too many backdoor tap-ins, missed assignments, missed coverage. You're not seeing that as much anymore. Uh, Has it been perfect? No. Has it gotten better? It has gotten a little bit better. I would say it's gotten a little bit better, but what hasn't gotten better in my mind, and this has been a problem even before Craig Berube, is this team, for whatever reason, can't get the puck out of their own zone. And that starts with your defense. Um, I I go to games, I go to countless games where I see not being able, like D-zone turnovers. And most of the time, those end up in your net. What is a Blues, like, what's the mindset when they have the puck at this point? Because too many pucks are getting turned over in their own end. Well, it's just making the proper puck play. I mean, and yeah, you've seen that where the four check is either, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's effective and it forces you into bad puck play. Uh, I would say on those, the forwards and the defensemen usually are in cohesion. They're moving out of the zone. You You try to get them where they're moving out of the zone together. And when the defensemen wind up turning a puck over or say even a forward is making a bad puck decision in the zone, um, somebody's not in position. 
and somebody maybe somebody's not expecting what's happening. You know, nobody ever nobody ever expects turnovers. But no, no. A lot of the times, a lot of the times, especially when the defensemen are transitioning pucks, it's a guy like Colton Pareko, it's Nick Letty, it's Tory Krug, Justin Falk. Let's use just those guys because they're getting the most ice time right now. Um, when they're not making the proper puck play out of the zone, yeah, I mean, it, there's usually an effective forecheck there, or they're just not making the smart decision with the puck. Um, I'll say they've gotten better at that because we haven't seen as many of the turnovers. Where I have seen more of the turnovers this year has been from the forwards that they get back into the zone. It's not necessarily to I'm, I'm t- Colton Pareko to me has had a great year. And right. Yes. He's done. He's done a much better job when he, when the puck is on his stick, he's skating with it well, and he's making the proper puck play. Um, I will say that I think the forwards can do a better job of, and last night was a perfect example of what you saw. They utilize the walls much better instead of trying to maybe, especially in zone in the D zone where Florida's a pressure team and they like and and they and they like to come at you in five man units because they're a shot volume team. Uh, the forwards did a much better job last night of just keeping the pucks to the outside, keeping them off the wall. If you don't have a play to make, just put it off, just put it off the wall and out of the zone and reload instead of turning it over and giving them a great A scoring chance. If they can if they can get to doing the things that they did last night on a more consistent basis, they're going to win more hockey games and they're going to lose. It's just a question of being able to do those more consistently. You talk about winning more hockey games than you lose. Uh, one factor to that is you got to have a little bit of grittiness. And outside of, I would have to say, Oscar Sundquist, that can be that gritty guy, the Blues haven't had much toughness on this team since the 2019 Cup run, uh, in my opinion. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You can correct me there, but... Um, is it the new wave of the NHL like you talked about earlier, or is it something that needs to be instilled in this team still to win? Well, you had Robert Bertuzzo on this team until they just recently traded him. He's a guy that was going to be abrasive for you and mix it up when need be. Um, he was part of that cup team, but yeah, uh, not really. I mean, if you look at, if you look at successful teams, uh, they got they've got guys that can play that gritty, hard nosed, tough style of a game, and yeah, the Blues lost it. Uh, Pat Maroon was a great example uh, on that team that provided it for him. Joel Edmondson, big, strong, physical. Um, I'd have to go back and think uh, with the personnel that they've had, but I think the Blues more or less. Doug Armstrong, with the way he constructed this roster, kind of transitioned them into more of a style, finesse kind of a team. And I think that's why you've seen some of the inconsistent play because Craig Berube was never going to be somebody that was going to be able to, say, coach a style of a team that plays the way like the Edmonton Oilers do, that have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and these guys that Zach, the Zach Hyman's uh, that like to just dart up and down the ice. It's just, 
it's not in his style. It's not in his DNA. And I think that's where a lot of the problems here stem from. Uh, you got away from that big, physical, gritty kind of a game and kind of a team. And I think that's why you've seen some inconsistent play out of uh, a Sammy Blay because Sammy Blay was surrounded when they won the cup back in 19 was surrounded by guys that could play that hard nosed physical style that can get the puck in cycle for check, be heavy, be, be hard nosed, be gritty, be physical, everything that you need. And it's just not there as much anymore. And I think moving forward, the blues are going to have to find that again because that's that's the kind of personnel that they have that's going to make them successful. They don't have they don't have the superstars of the team like a Colorado either that has McKinnon and Rantanen and guys that are just going to Nichushkin guys that are just going to speed speed skate you and 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 outwill you in that regard. They're not built to do that. Do they have players that can do that? That's how Cairo plays. That's how Robert Robert Thomas can play that way. But Robert Thomas can play the other way as well. But he's probably more better suited for a more open style of a game. But until they can mix in some of those guys that want to be committed to that uh, physical forechecking style of a game, uh, you're probably going to see a lot of the inconsistencies moving forward that you've been seeing. Yeah, I it's all the uh, factors of a quote retooling team, right? You know, you, you're you're gonna see those um, inconsistencies there. Um, Kairu Thomas, you're gonna see some great plays. You're gonna see some baffling moves as well. Uh, going forward, what do the Blues need to do to kind of turn this thing around? To kind of have the more sustained success you saw when. Ken Hitchcock was here, Mike Yo was here, and then Craig Bruby. What what do they need to do to get back to that? How long do you think that can take? Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a loaded question. It's tough to answer because you've you've changed coaches now. Uh, like you're going back to Ken Hitchcock. Uh, you know, you're talking what now? Four coaches later here. Um, personnel is so much different now. Um, just like I mentioned to you before here, and I think they need to get back to that hard nose grinding, physical style, forechecking style, cycling style of a team that could just wear opponents down. Um, and that's going to take a little bit of time to get back to that point because you've gotten smaller on your blue line. You don't have I mean, just go back to the year they won the cup. I mean, look at how look at how you know big. Maybe they didn't play as big because Jay Bowmeister didn't play where he he didn't play a game where he was just gonna grind you into the ground, but he was a big guy. He played with a big stick. He and Colton Pareko played with big sticks. Alex Petrangelo, Carl Gunnarsson, Joel Edmondson, uh Bortuzzo. I mean, these are guys that were big and played with long sticks and were able to kill plays, disrupt plays. Uh, you don't have that as much anymore. You're a lot smaller with Krug and Falk now. Um, you know, Nick Letty is more, of a, is more of a skater. So the way that they're built now is they have to eliminate turnovers, and 
They have to just play smarter with the puck. If they're able to do those things, they can string together some wins, but it has to come at a consistent basis because it's just been too up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and you're getting way too much of that. And that's, like I said earlier, that's that's why their record is the way it is. They haven't been able to sustain any kind of a winning streak, and they have really they haven't for their own good. They really they've lost four in a row. Okay, that's that's a little bit of a dip, uh, but they haven't had any one of those prolonged losing streaks. That's why they are who they are right now. And until they can put together and string together maybe some consistent winning streaks, uh, this is what you're going to get because it seems like every time they come off of a strong win, they follow it up with a bad loss. And it, it's, it's just been too often. Uh, last year was just uh, so many peaks and valleys, and, and they haven't had that. So if you want to say they've taken a step in the right direction, <coughs> excuse me, they've done that. But you need if you're going to be in the top eight in the conference, if you're going to be in the top eight among playoff teams, you're going to have to sustain some and put together some winning streaks, and they just haven't done that yet. They haven't, and we've talked about the inconsistencies. That that's you're not going to win. You're not going to win games like you did against Arizona, going 0 for seven on a power play, because that just doesn't happen. I mean, I I was at the game. I think it was my, my birthday or a little little before my birthday, and they went 0 for seven on the, on the power play, but. They still won the they game. They won the game. Won. You don't win it. <laughs> yeah, they won the game. So yeah, the, listen, that's the exception to the norm. Okay, let's let's not think that you can get away with doing that. <laughs> right, right. So, um, along with this retool, we call it a retool because it's not a full rebuild where your cupboard is bare per se. You have a lot of prospects down in the um, AHL. You have prospects in the OHL. Um, couple guys that I cannot wait to see. Of course, the guy we draft the Blues drafted last year in Dalibor Dvorsky, um, Zach Dean, Zachary Bullduke. Um, how long do you think until these guys are ready? Um, that's tough to say. Um, it's just based off of their development down at the level that they're at. Um, I would say within the next two years tops, I will say, uh, if you want to put, if you want to use an overall hourglass on, on, on the whole group in general, uh, maybe some guys a little longer than that. Um, or perhaps maybe even say a bull Duke or a Dean, Best case scenario, maybe next year, maybe, and that's and that's putting it uh, and that's putting it uh, best case scenario from my perspective. Uh, Dvorsky the same way. I think he'll be. I think the way he's going right now down in the OHL, I think Dvorsky will at the very least next year be in Springfield. Um, could he be here? Oh, that, that's going to have, you're going to have to be, he's just going to have to be off the charts for that to be expedited to that point. Um, But 
right now you're seeing it was it was a struggle at the beginning of the year for Bolduc and Dean down in Springfield, but they seem to be finding their way here recently and playing much better. So it's not an easy task. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, um, that's a tough one too because he's having another good year, really good year in Minnesota. Uh, he's going to be on the World Junior Team coming up here. Uh, played last night, had a goal and two assists uh, in, a, in an exhibition against Sweden. So he's another one that's kind of a wild card there. I will put him in that two-year range as well. So if you want to look at uh, an umbrella of all these guys, I will pro- I would say two years is probably uh, a fair assessment of when these guys could be here in St. Louis. Uh, and a best-case scenario, a couple of them, maybe next year. So you're saying the future is bright. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got some good prospects here. Um They've got some guys that uh, they're really going to be happy with, uh, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not even scratching the surface on everybody here. But those four guys there are probably your hallmark prospects right now. Um, you can throw, if you want to look at defensemen, I know that they're looking at. Uh, oh, and I and I even forgot the one of the other first round picks that they got this year is Otto Stenberg. He's going to be playing for. Uh, He's going to be playing for Sweden in the World Juniors. You've got uh, you've got Theo Lindstein, the defenseman that they got in the first round as well. Uh, not playing for Sweden, surprisingly for me, at the World Juniors. But uh, this uh, Uri Pekarsik, who they got in the third round, uh, I've really been following his numbers playing in the in the UHSL, uh, doing very well uh, himself. Going to be representing Slovakia with. Um, with uh, Dvorsky, uh, Jakub Stansel playing for uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, so the Blues are going to be well represented at the World Juniors. There's a lot of there's a lot of good talent there. They've got six of them at the World Juniors this year, which that's a that's a large number for them. I can't recall the last time they had that many. I'd have to go back, obviously, and look, but I can't recall the last time they had that many prospects playing in the same World Junior tournament. So. A lot to look forward to if you're a St. Louis Blues fan, certainly. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get back to where, I, I at least where I remember this team. And, and I, this isn't quite a 06-07 after lockout total rebuild. So that, that kind of gives me faith a little bit. So, um, Lou, this has been so much fun. Uh, go ahead and dub yourself. Go ahead and dub yourself um, on your um, – talk about NHR.com. Talk about what you're doing. Um, well, NHL.com has been something that I've had uh, for, what, I started there in 2011 for the 2011-12 season. So uh, just do a lot of the game recaps uh, on cover practices every day and – feature stories and any breaking news that comes out. So basically just like what anybody does on the beat. And we've picked up, uh, I'm the site editor now at the hockey news, which has uh, been a nice project so far. Um, 
We've got 31 riders in every city. And actually some cities have multiple riders. Some teams uh, we're trying, you know, if this can grow into something big enough, uh, we'll have a network here in St. Louis as well. But uh, right now doing a dual role, just covering the blues on a daily basis and doing it as best as we can. Usually at the hockey news, uh, I'll have multiple posts for people to uh, check things out, uh, especially off of a game night and, off day stuff is usual. There's usually material there. So uh, staying busy with it and uh, knee deep into this hockey team right now. And uh, we're just getting started with it. Lou, thank you so much for doing this. I can't wait to do it again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All righty. Uh, for Lou, I'm Joe. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, Lou, can you stay on one second?